Hello there. So my name is Greg. I am one of the youth pastors here at Walnut Hill, and it is good that we can be together. It's good that we can gather together here in this room, but I also want to welcome everyone at the Derby campus, at the Waterbury campus, at the New Milford campus, and wherever you happen to be watching online, whether you're in Old Lyme, Connecticut, which is where my kids are right now, uh, or if you're in Benson, Arizona, where my parents are. Hi, Mom. It is good that we could be together, that we can be here. We are working our way through this summer series that we're calling Good Question. And each week we're looking at different questions, things that are foundational to our faith. And we're asking the question, why do we do these things as followers of Jesus? Two weeks ago, Pastor Adam kicked us off talking about the most important question. If we're going to talk about why do we do these things as followers of Jesus, the first question we have to answer is, why do we follow Jesus? So Pastor Adam started us off with that. Last week, Pastor Crystal talked about prayer. Today, we're going to look at the question, why serve? Why do we deliberately give our time and our attention and our talents in the service of other people? Now, some of you might know, uh, in, in addition to being on staff here at Walnut Hill, I also spent about 10 years as an EMT. Becoming an EMT is not super difficult. You, you take the class, it's about two and a half months long. You take the, the written exam, which is only a little stressful, and then you take the practical exam. And the practical exam consists of a, a simulated medical emergency and a simulated trauma emergency, and then a couple of uh, stations testing proficiency with different pieces of equipment. And then you're an EMT, go save lives. Super easy. What I realized very quickly was that passing the test and actually knowing what you're doing are very, very different. And so that first summer that I was certified, uh, I went and volunteered at a, a, a Christian music festival called Creation. It's in Mount Union, Pennsylvania, which is right near um, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's just in this big open field. And uh, if you volunteer there as, a, as, as an EMT, they let you attend the festival for free, which I thought was pretty cool. So I went, and my second shift there, they bring in this kid who had been I, I don't know, dancing, flailing. I'm not sure exactly what he was doing. But he had fallen really hard, and they thought he had broken his arm. And so they wanted to send him out for an x-ray. And the guy who's in charge says, well, hold on. Let's see if that's really necessary. And I'm thinking, now, I, I've only been an EMT for, for a very short time, but even I know the only way to diagnose a fracture is with an x-ray machine. We're in the middle of a field. There is no x-ray machine here. And so I'm, I'm wondering kind of what, what he's going to do. I was a little skeptical. And he pulls out one of these. This is a tuning fork, right? They, they use this to tune pianos and, and harps. And he pulls this thing out. I'm going, what, what is he doing? Again, I was, I was just a little skeptical. And so he takes the tuning fork and he smacks it on his hand. And he puts it on the kid's arm in a couple of places. And, and he does it again. And he looks and he listens. And then he announces, well, it's not broken. And I'm thinking, what kind of snake oil quackery is happening here? What, what is going on? Now, I, I didn't say that with my voice, but my face must have clearly communicated that. Because Dr. Quack looks at me and goes, let me explain what's going on. Here's how it works. Turns out, he was a former combat medic with multiple tours in various places throughout the Middle East. 
And when you're, when you're downrange like that, when you're treating wounds with, with, with no access to any kind of equipment, you have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And so they figured out the tuning fork. What happens when you hit that tuning fork and you get that, that tone, it's vibrating. And so if you put that vibrating tuning fork next to a spot where you think there might be a fracture, if, if the bone is sound, if the bone is solid, nothing happens. But if there's a fracture and you put that vibrating tuning fork close to it, it makes one end of the fracture vibrate and rub against the other end. And your patient will typically say something along the lines of, wow! You know there's a fracture. I sat there just dumbfounded and amazed and in awe. I thought that was the most amazing thing that I had seen in a very long time. And I think about how as the disciples hung out with Jesus, they must have had that same feeling just over and over and over again. As they saw him perform miracles, uh, as they heard him teach from the scripture, as they heard him explain spiritual truth through parables, they must have had that, that similar feeling of going from, from being skeptical, right? What, what is he talking about? Wait, wait, what is he doing with that mud? To just, just sheer awe of just, whoa. They must have experienced that over and over and over again. And so as we look at John 13 today, I feel like the, the disciples were even more amazed this time because they didn't see it coming. They never saw it coming for this, for, uh, for this one. When he, when he taught from the scriptures, they knew spiritual truth was coming. When, when they heard him tell a parable, they, they knew that spiritual truth was coming. They didn't always understand it, but they knew there was going to be something there. They knew it was coming. But now, they're, they're just hanging out. They've gathered together for a meal. They're going to just eat together. And before the meal starts, Jesus grabs a bowl of water and a towel and he starts to wash their feet. Now, I don't think I'm letting any cats out of the bag when I say, feet are gross. <laughs> right? They, they just are. They, like, especially feet that wear sandals and walk around all day in really dusty areas. Feet are just really gross. And as Jesus starts to wash their feet, Peter starts to kind of push back a little bit. He starts to say, no, no Jesus, you, you shouldn't have to do this. Right, like he thinks it's some kind of weird team building exercise and, and Jesus shouldn't have to participate this way. Jesus knew that Peter and the others didn't get it. He knew that they didn't understand. Much like, like I didn't understand what Dr. Quack was doing with a tuning fork. And so Jesus asks them specifically, do you know what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? And in verse 13, he explains it. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. This is Jesus, the, the, the Messiah. This is the creator God of the universe in human form. And he's down on his knees washing people's feet. He's doing something that a, that a servant does. He is taking on the role of a servant. And he says very clearly, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. He's serving the disciples by washing their feet. So if we're going to ask the question, why do we serve? 
Why do we deliberately spend time serving others? The first and most obvious answer is because Jesus told us to. Jesus told us very, very clearly that we are to serve. That is the first and most obvious answer. We're not here to, to, to serve ourselves. We're not here to serve for our own benefit. We are called by Jesus to serve. So the first reason that we serve is because Jesus told us to. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has told us clearly to serve others. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus is again really clear. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're not here to serve ourselves. We're not here to be served by others. Why do we serve? Jesus told us, serve others. A second reason why we serve is that Jesus didn't just tell us to, he showed us. He did it himself. He modeled for us what serving looked like. He didn't just sit in a fancy seat and tell his disciples what they should go and do. He showed us the way. He stepped out and he did it himself. If we are so full of ourselves that, that we think that we're too important to step in and to do things that we think are beneath us, we have completely missed the point of everything that Jesus has told us. Recently, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but the other end of the church, there's a giant room down there called the square. The square is where all of children's ministry happens. It's the big multi-purpose room, and man, that is the hub for all of children's ministry. And there's a specific way that the square is supposed to be set up for a Sunday morning with tables and chairs and dividers. For some reason, the square was not set up. It wasn't prepared. There was nothing there. And so a couple of people were scrambling, running around, trying to, to get everything set up. And they're dragging out tables and setting up chairs. And right there, in the middle of all of it, dragging tables out of a closet, is Pastor Adam. Our lead pastor was dragging tables and, and moving furniture. Now, he, he could have just stood there and, and said, you know, hey, let's, let's make sure this gets done. He could have said, hey, who's, whose fault is this? What, what happened? Who, who messed this up? Why didn't this happen? But he didn't. He jumped in and he helped. He served. He helped do what needed to be done because that's what Jesus told us to do. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And Pastor Adam lived that out. Love that. A third reason why we serve is simply because we can, because we have abilities. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help. You have been given gifts and talents and abilities and passions. Those things are a gift from God. He's given you those things specifically, purposefully. He didn't give them to you for your own benefit, right? He, he didn't give them to you to just amuse and enrich yourself. He gave them to you to use, to serve, to build the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. We help, we serve in areas within our gifting because we can, because we have those abilities. There is a reason that I don't serve on the worship team as a vocalist. <laughs> it's the same reason that I don't serve in the dance ministry. 
right? Those things are well beyond my gifting and my abilities. Trust me, nobody wants to see me do those things. But I can serve on the worship team as a drummer. I, I can serve the, the dance ministry by, by encouraging, by cheering, by bringing snacks. And I love snacks. I can totally do that. Those are things that I can do. What about you? What are the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and the passions that you have? What have you been given? And more importantly, what are you doing with them? How are you using those things to build the kingdom of God? Now, maybe you're thinking, there is no way that my, my weird talent is going to serve the kingdom of God. Right? Maybe you're thinking, like, so I can ride a unicycle. How is that going to serve the kingdom of God? Really? Right? Like, you know me, right? Many of you know me pretty well, right? I, I have a very particular set of skills. And I have figured out a way to use those gifts, those skills, those talents for the kingdom of God. Many of you know one of my, one of my favorite things to do, one of my biggest passions is archery. Right? I, I, I love archery. There is something about archery that speaks to my soul. And I found a way to use that passion to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Another one of my passions is movies. Man, I love a good movie. Some of you who are following closely have realized I've already used four movie references. <laughs> I use that passion, that love of movies, to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What about you? What are the things that, that you love? What are the things that you get excited about? What are the things that you are able to do? How will you take those things and use them to serve, to build the kingdom of God? As you think about what you're able to do, about what you love, the things that you're able to do that you get excited about, the question then becomes, where will you do that? Where will you use those gifts, those talents, those abilities within the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you see a ministry here that, that, that already exists, and it's something that, that, that you love to do. Like, jump in there, right? I don't know if you, uh, if, if you noticed when you drove in to the, the Bethel campus here, as you came in the parking lot on the left-hand side, uh, that, that island that was just covered in amazing flowers, right? Like, somebody had to plant those and maintain those. Maybe gardening is your passion. Maybe that's something that you love to do. There are all kinds of spots around here where your gardening passion could be used. Gardening is not one of my skills, right? My house is where plants go to die. <laughs> but if gardening is something that you love, man, there are all kinds of ways around here that you could, that you could do. Maybe uh, as you look at, at students, as you look at, at middle school and high school students, uh, and and, and you, you, you understand the, the challenges that they're facing right now, culturally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, and you want to do something to, to jump in and to help. Man, I know a great ministry that you could jump into. <laughs> there are all kinds of ways that you could jump in, that you could serve, that you could help students. There, there, there are lots of, of, of opportunities. Maybe there's something that you love, that you get excited about, and, and there is no ministry here that, that does that. Start a new one. Maybe, maybe bowling is your passion. Maybe bowling is something that you've done your whole life and you love bowling. Man, let's, let's start a Walnut Hill bowling team. Right? We could do that. 
Um, there, there are all kinds of things that, that you could do. Maybe, maybe you speak another language and, and, and you feel like you could help someone learn another language. Let's start a Walnut Hill Language Academy. Figure out the things that you love, that you get excited about, and find ways to use it within the kingdom of God. Now, keep in mind, just because you have a great idea for a great ministry, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work or that it's going to fit. I was a stay-at-home dad for 12 years. Uh, My oldest son is 20 years old right now. Uh, When he was still very, very little, I wanted to start a stay-at-home dads group here at Walnut Hill. We had this group called MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. I thought we should have one for dads. And so I tried to start one, and I called it Dads on the Home Front. So we could call it, don't! (laughs) It seemed like a great idea to me. It didn't work. I, I, I couldn't find other dads. It just didn't fit. And so sometimes you might try something and for whatever reason, it just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Don't give up. Try something else. Keep trying. Find ways to use your gifts for the kingdom of God. The other thing to keep in mind is that serving doesn't just happen here at Walnut Hill. Uh, there, there are all kinds of opportunities out in the community. In Danbury, there was an amazing organization called the Jericho Partnership. Uh, there are all kinds of ways. They have all kinds of things going on right uh, there. If you're not familiar with, with Jericho, check out that website right there. Uh, if you have your, your phone, if you want to find out more about Jericho, pull out your phone and snap a picture of that website so that you can check it out. Not now. Check it out later when we're done here. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching online, that website is in the chat. Copy and paste that so that you can check out the website. Not right now. Stay with me. But later, check out that website. They have so many things going on right now. If you're not familiar with Jericho, check out the website. Um, this, right now, some of their, the, the biggest needs that Jericho has, they're looking for, for mentors. Mentors for students. Someone to show them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, they are looking for reading buddies. Man, if you can read... You can be a reading buddy. You can sit and read once a week. You can serve the greater Denver area by just sitting and reading a book. They need reading buddies. Uh, they're looking for um, uh, classroom, uh, classroom monitors for a, a fall tutoring program. There are all kinds of ways that you can plug in and serve there. And then, of course, you can look around your, your own local neighborhood. Uh, in, uh, in Waterbury, there's an amazing organization called Acts 4. Check them out. There are all kinds of things that you can do to serve there. In Derby, there's the food distribution ministry. Uh, In New Milford, there's a food pantry. There are all kinds of ways in your community. There are always opportunities that you can help, that you can serve. All right, so we looked at the why we serve, right? We serve because Jesus told us to, and he showed us the way. We've looked at some areas where you can serve. Now the question is, how do I do that? Right? Maybe you're feeling like, all right, I'm, I'm ready. I want to jump in. I want to start serving. How do I do that? A couple of things. First, start small. Don't feel like you have to be the head of an entire ministry by next week. Right? Start small. The goal is progress, not perfection. As you look at, at, at what you're doing right now, the way that you're using your gifts, if you, if you were to rate your serving right now on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe you're at a 2 right now. The question is not, how do I get to 10? If you're at a two, the question is, how do I get to three? 
What will it take? What will I need to do to get to a three? And then once I'm at a three, how do I get to four? The goal is progress, not perfection. You might move from a three to a five really quickly and then sort of hang out as a five for the next six months or a year. That's great. Do that. The goal is progress, not perfection. Start small. Second, take an inventory of your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. Write them down. Make an actual list. Right? What are the things that you are able to do? What are the things that you get excited about? I love long-distance running. Uh, I did uh, uh, a bunch of marathons. I did an Ironman. I love long-distance running. But in 2016, I herniated a disc, and I haven't run a single step since then. And so even though I can't physically run anymore, I, I understand completely what's involved in long-distance running. I could, I could easily jump in to a ministry and serve in that ministry that supports long-distance running. What about you? What are things that maybe you're not able to physically do, but you have a good solid understanding of? What are the things that you, that you can actually do? What are the things that you get excited about when you do those things? Make a list. Write them down. Make an actual physical list of those things. Then third, look for some needs and some opportunities. Look around. As, as you look around your church, as you look around your community, what are some needs that you can identify? What are some things that need to get done? Make an actual list. Write those things down. And then as you look at your list of needs and you look at your list of abilities, are there areas where those two lists intersect? Are there areas where, where your gifts, where your talents, your abilities can meet some of those actual needs? Look for those opportunities to use your gifts within the kingdom of God. And then fourth, pray about it. Ask the Lord specifically what would he have you do with those things? As you look at your list of gifts and your list of needs, ask God what he would have you do. You're, you're probably familiar with the story in Matthew 14 where uh, the, Peter and the disciples, they're in the boat and they look out and they see Jesus walking on the water, right? Whose idea was it for Peter to get out of the boat and walk on the water? Yeah, it's Peter's idea. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and he, he asks, he asks Jesus, he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come on. That's the way it works. If you have an idea about something that you want to do in and for the kingdom of God, ask. Ask God specifically, what would he have you do? If that's what he wants you to do, if the idea that you have for the kingdom of God is something that God wants, he's going to say, come on, let's do it. But if he says no, or if he says, wait, the time is not quite right right now, trust me, it is way better to wait. It is way better to wait. But that brings us to the last point. As, as you assess your gifts, once you've, you've identified your gifts and you've identified some needs and some opportunities and you've asked in prayer, if God has said yes, man, get out there and do it. Go use your gifts. James 1, to 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. 
But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you do steps one through four, if you, you decide, okay, I'm going to start small, and then you make a list of your abilities, and then you make a list of, of, of needs and opportunities, and you ask God about it, and you stop there, you've participated in an, an interesting academic exercise, but you haven't actually changed or done anything. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and as they start making their way up here, I'm going to leave you with this last thought. Once you've identified your gifts, once you've, you've committed to start using those gifts for the kingdom of God, and you've, you've, you've committed to, to start using those gifts, and God has shown you the what, the where, and the how, what is preventing you from getting out there and doing it? What is keeping you from serving in the kingdom of God? God has given you gifts and talents and abilities and passions. He's given you those for a reason. Use your gifts. Build the kingdom of God. Go and change your world for the glory of God.